I added one more podcast to the giant podcast bin. Now you have plucked that podcast out and started listening. I took my microphone and found some human folk. Then I recorded all the noises while we spoke. My name is Adam Buxton. I'm a man. I want you to enjoy this. That's the plan. Rosie, Rosie, come here. I'm staring at birds. Rosie, come here. Hey, sweetie, how are you? I'm quite hot. It's like a spring day. There's a lot of action around. Rabbits, birds, that kind of thing. It's exciting, isn't it? Say hi to the... Po- All right, don't say hi to the podcats. It's a bit rude, isn't it? Hey, how are you doing, listeners? Adam Buxton here. Very nice to be with you again. And uh, it is a beautiful spring day here in East Angular. Very nice to be back from Los Angeles. As nice as that was. But it's great to come back and find that spring has definitely sprung. Cherry blossom is beginning to explode from some of the trees. Daffodils. Uh, All the grass is like really, really green. That's the beginning of one of the best times of year. A time when a person can walk around in shorts every day and feel good about themselves. It's lovely to be back in these fields with Rosie up ahead and the rooks looking on and commentating from the trees over there in the distance. Tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to sit down on the grass. Oh yeah, gracias. Uh, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about this week's podcast, which features a conversation I had on my recent trip to Los Angeles with Australian actor and comedian Claudia O'Doherty. Now you may have seen Claudia on the pilot for the BBC Three sketch show People Time, alongside some great comedians including previous podcast guest Tash Dimitriou. That show was on in 2015. And that same year, Claudia got a part in Judd Apatow's comedy Trainwreck, a film starring Amy Schumer, LeBron James and Bill Hader, also friend of the podcast, of course. Uh, That led to Claudia writing on the TV show Inside Amy Schumer. Whoa! One of the funniest shows around and becoming one of the stars of Judd Apatow's TV comedy drama Love on Netflix. Those are the career headlines for Claudia, I suppose. Although we don't really, um, you know, it's not like a big interview about her career. It's a kind of a silly, rambly conversation. A couple of notes, though. At one point, I mention a book about Saturday Night Live by Al Franken's former writing partner. The book is 39 years of short-term memory loss, the early days of SNL from someone who was there by the late Tom Davis. Pretty entertaining, I thought, but I don't actually... I forgot the name of the book and the author in the conversation, so I thought I'd flag it for you. You're welcome. Also, Claudia briefly mentions during our conversation an encounter with Johnny Rotten that she had when she was little, but I 
sent us off on a tangent conversationally, so we never got to hear the story. However, Claudia emailed it to me so that you listeners wouldn't get enraged. Here's what she says in the email. So, Johnny Rotten, it's not an incredible story. I won't do the offensive accent. He wanted to buy some art from my dad, says Claudia. He was coming to the offices for Mambo, the surfwear label my dad designed for, which was near my school. So my dad picked me and my sister up on the way to meet him. My sister and I were wearing school uniforms. Everyone at the office was excited to see Johnny Rotten. So, so there were probably about 40 people milling around and taking photos. Dad pointed his daughters out to Mr. Rotten and he yelled at us, Do you girls do what your Uncle Johnny does? And we didn't know what to say. So we didn't say anything and people laughed, but not that much and everyone was embarrassed. The end. So there you go. I really enjoyed talking to Claudia. It was a good, stupid rambly convo though it did touch on the serious subjects of hard drugs prescription medication and alcohol abuse it treated them with much less respect than they deserve to paraphrase the throwing shade podcast so you think we should all try heroin no that's exactly what i don't think rosie can you imagine what your already erratic toilet routine would be like if you were on heroin here we go scene for us Claudia okay. so I don't have to do any work sure we're sitting in my apartment in Los Angeles California what region of Los Angeles is this this is the Silver Lake region which is in the east side mm. of the city but not that far east but a bit east and that's hip yes it's very hip it's very cool so I just make perfect sense here in this neighborhood <laughs> well as I was walking here because I just got a flat tire on my bike. I'll tell you more about my bike in a second. Okay. Don't worry. Can't wait. As I was walking here, I saw some cool people, three guys, all with, mm-hmm. with baseball caps and cool clothes. Sounds like my friends. And they were sat out on the front yeah. porch, hanging. Oh, yeah. Outside their home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there was a beautiful woman. Great. And she was filming them. Yeah, that's exactly show business, coolness. That's really what Silver Lake's all about. Yeah. And some nice food. And you can walk around a bit. Unlike lots of neighborhoods here in Los Angeles. Right. You can use your legs or sticks, as I call them. (laughs) (laughs) Where are the no walking uh, regions? I feel like everywhere else. Just big, wide roads everywhere. Yes. Right? How do you get around then? Using a car? I use my sticks in a car. Right. That's it. I don't have a motorcycle. There's, there's not great public transport here, is there? No, it's pretty much non-existent. But Although I also I... use a Lyft a lot. Oh, yeah. I don't use is Uber. That... No, because Uber... What? Remind me what... Well, they're evil. But I think Lyft is evil as well. But Uber is more evil because they um, are good friends with Trump or something like that. But Mr. Then, Uber. Was. But then he said, like, 
I'm not a Trump supporter. I just got invited to be on an advisory committee. Mm-hmm. But then, I mean, so maybe they're not so bad. And I think they did something <laughs> where they were like, we're not so bad. But then they don't treat their employees super well and they don't get paid very well. I guess if you're a tech billionaire, you're probably bad, right? Do you boycott Apple products because of the way they treat their employees? No, I think what they do to their employees is correct. <laughs> <laughs> you're amused by the nets <laughs> they put outside the building the suicide to, nets. to catch the people. Yeah, I think that's good because <laughs> that saves people cleaning up the dead bodies and I think that's efficient. I don't boycott much, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, but you're fashionably boycotting Uber. Yeah, I just felt embarrassed. I, uh, I'm not taking any lifts or Ubers or anything like that because... Because you, you, you bike? I'm biking, yeah. right. I thought, because I like biking. Wait a second, mm. how'd you get your bike over here? I Is that your bike? It. Oh, no, no, I rented it. Okay. I rented it from Hikes and Bikes, LA. That sounds nice. Charming people, wonderful service. What about the rates? Rates seem reasonable. Okay, one, great. One forty-eight for one week's hire. Oh, that's lovely. That's fine. Yeah. It's a good mountain bike. Love it. Helmet, great. <laughs> Little visibility jacket. It was wicked. First day, I go to the Grove to oh, pick, the to shopping pick up mall. second pair of shorts. Right? Oh, because of like, the hot just, weather yeah, or because yeah, yeah. of the great fashions? Both. Okay, great. I went to the Grove the other day. Did you? What, what were you getting? With my friend, my friend uh, Kate Ballant. She's a comedian. Oh, I know. Yes, yes. She lives around the corner. We're both trying to avoid doing our taxes. So we went to the mall instead. Sounds and we, irresponsible. It was very irresponsible. We tried on lots of jeans. Mm. It was a very American day. Did you really steal fun. anything? I didn't steal a thing. And I didn't buy anything either. Yeah, yeah. Which is almost the same. Exactly. Because they've paid for the space. Right, you've wasted their time. The employees. Yeah, yeah. It was actually a really lovely day. And it had um, the sort of sizzle of fun procrastination. Mm. So it was a really lovely right. day at the Grove. For but, those not familiar with the Grove, it's a kind of, it's like a shopping Disneyland. Yes, it is. There's like a magic fountain in the middle that has like a bit like that place in Las Vegas, the Bellagio. I noticed you masculinified Las Vegas by giving it the loss at the... Oh, but I'm... No, I didn't. (laughs) No, did I? I did, did I? I think I would say, I can't say Las... No one says Las Vegas. That's crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But the Grove is like sort of an immaculately tended little... Uh, well, I say it's like Disneyland because it's got that same feeling of slight slight unreality because it's so clean and perfect. Yeah, it's a little bit like the Truman Show. It's like very immaculate. Exactly. Yes. Piped music, yes. kind of, you know, Frank Sinatra, Doris Day. Yes. It's all like, isn't America great? So I felt very safe. Got some shorts, above the knee shorts. I'm glad you felt safe. Yeah. Above the knee. I mean, do you, you said... have many above the knee shorts? No. This so is do the you first feel quite time. risque when you wear something like that? No, I feel old. But I couldn't find any that were good like i went into the gap and they just had ridiculous stuff right so i ended up going into j cruise oh yeah classic american wear yeah old man wear and walked out with some above the knee shorts felt like a real old duffer and then (laughs) went back to retrieve my bike Uh oh no bike oh no 20 minutes i've been getting my shorts none bike so you've had some real problems with your bike and today on the way here I got a flat tire. And this is the replacement bike because they came... First of all, they charged me $250 (gasps) for the bike. For the original bike. Yeah. Is that reasonable? I would say probably, yeah. I mean, it's a decent bike. 
Yeah. But I, I took out insurance. Oh, no. I was like, what's the insurance for? And they're like, oh, well, it's in case you get a flat tire. So I'll be giving them a call today. Oh, gosh. So much admin with these bikes. But um, I went into the, like, I tried to report it stolen or talk to a security guy. I went to the security office at the Grove and they played back the video of the guy stealing it. <gasps> I wow. just And there was nothing they could do. They were like, oh, there you go. Oh, it's that guy. Yeah. He's the guy with the blue bag. Because what I'd done <laughs> is I, stupidly, I hadn't chained the bike to the bike rail. Oh, this is your just, fault entirely then. Well, sort of, <laughs> yeah. I chained the wheels to the frame, which is what I usually do. Because I just think, yeah. who's going to come along, pick up a whole bike and then carry it? Oh, it's this guy, this guy, the guy with the blue backpack. The guy with the blue backpack. Wow! Do many um, cyclists do that? This cool style of chaining the bike to itself. <laughs> it turns out probably not. Yeah, it doesn't work. And it's not something I'll ever do oh, again. Oh yeah, I'm so sorry to hear that. Yeah, it was very distraughtening, and you know, just to immediately like poof, two hundred and fifty pounds. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like just to, it, yeah, gone, it's gone. Yeah, the exchange rate does make it rough. But you see, I earn American dollars now, so I'm on top of the world. So (laughs) what what do you think of as your home currency? Because how long did you live in the UK for? I lived in the UK for two and a half years. I moved there in 2012 and I left early 2015. But I do, I got rid of my Australian bank account. I shut down my British bank account. I'm American. Right. Baby. Mm-hmm. Good one for the foreseeable future. Well, yeah, I guess. I mean, obviously things are different now with old Trump. Yeah. But um, my job is here right now, so. And was it. that was that always the plan? Did you always have your to become a Hollywood celebrity? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think anyone who does like comedy or that kind of thing, you like the idea of that. It seems ridiculous, but I never pictured or wanted to live in Los Angeles. Right. But, like, the idea of having a job in America, like, well, that would be extraordinary, but it seems so unlikely that that will ever happen. I always assumed that it would just be too much of a pain in the ass Coming over here. It, it just seems like so many people I know come out here and try and get work and, you know, they'll audition for everything yeah. and they'll get a part in a pilot and then it'll They're go probably away. Not talented. And that's the thing. I think that's, what it? that's the is. difference. It's that you have to be talented. You have to be incredibly and talented. You can't, and, you, and you shouldn't look grotesque. You have to look really good. You yeah. have to be gorgeous and so talented. And so that's why it's been really easy for do me. You have to be, you have to be Australian. And you have to be Australian. Okay. Mm-hmm. No, all... I mean, I, I would have never come over here and like given it a crack. Yeah. But um, I was lucky because I got the job before I came here. Right. I never would have done it the other way around. So what was your first foray then? What was your first break as far as work stateside? America. Um, because I made a web series for Channel 4. Yeah. From the BLAPS program. I remember, yeah. And that uh, Bill Hader saw it. Right. And then he showed them to Amy Schumer and Judd Apatow. And then the next day I was in the table read for Trainwreck. How extraordinary. I know, it was incredible. I was very panicked because I thought I was going to have to do an American accent. I was reading a much bigger part, the part that Tilda Swinton ended up playing in that movie. Oh, yeah. I didn't even really understand what a table read was. I was so scared. And I arrived, there was like 300 people watching. I'd never met Amy or Judd before. And... It was very scary. So they flew you out like the next day kind of thing? I was actually here already. Oh, you were? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so Amy sent me a direct message on Twitter Uh saying nice compliments to me. And then I got an email about the the table read. And then I went the next day. Yeah. Yeah, I was terrified. 
What a hoot, though. It was fun, yes? It was so fun sitting with those Hollywood celebrities. Yeah. I mean, I was terrified. <laughs> but it was very fun. But uh, I don't know. Do you ever get nervous when you're acting? Uh, well, I don't act very much, but yes. Uh, I mean, I get nervous all the time. Yeah. I get nervous with my wife. <laughs> I was just, I just remember being so nervous, like sitting at the table with looking at the script and my brain stopped working and the words actually started like swimming on the page. Oh, really? Like I was so nervous waiting um, for my part to come. So yeah. I was like 20 pages in. So like the tension was really mounting as I was waiting. And do you have control over your face and your voice and your breathing? I mean, that's part of the... <laughs> that's part of the skill of the actor, I'm told. Um, not when I'm really, really nervous. But I just went for it. Yeah. I think if you're foreign, you can get away with a lot of stuff. Because you weren't doing a silly voice or anything, were you? No, but my natural voice to Americans is a silly voice. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's my entire career is based on that, really, I think. So I was lucky. And then when I did the actual movie, because they gave me a little part in the movie, I was so nervous that day because I was suddenly on like a huge movie set. And I, I mean, and I could be like ruining my career telling you this, but I said my line too early, but people thought I was just improvising Ah. and they thought I was great, (laughs) but I was actually bad and just, I got my cue wrong, but people were like, like, she's fearless. Yeah. I I mean, Judd was like, wow, right out the gate. And it was like, no, no, I made it terrible. Did he actually say that? Yeah, he did say that. (laughs) That's great. I know. And then he gave me a part in a TV show. So it's great. And then when you turned up for the TV show, yeah. did you feel as if you had to say everything too early? Yeah, I did. And I, that's still my signature thing is I just jump in really quickly. That's the best way to so do it. So the that TV thing. show is Love. Yes, that's right. And you're in your second season now. The second season just came out a week ago. Right. And we're, we started shooting the third season this week as well. Gosh. Yeah. So that premiered early 2016, didn't yes, it? February. Yes, February. I haven't seen one yet. And oh, I, my God. I apologize. <laughs> It's disrespectful. No, it's fine. There's too much I avoided TV. It. I avoided it because right. I was once very badly hurt by love. Right. The so I emotion. The emotion. So you couldn't watch I it. I didn't. I thought... Uh, well, it's, it's about that time you got hurt. That's what the show's about. Right. It's pretty much your story. I don't... You see, I don't want to go there. I understand. Well, there's also... Yeah, there's so many TV shows. I don't blame you for not watching at all. Mm. But I am going to watch it. In oh, fact, good. I might even watch it tonight. Great. Should I, should I start at the beginning or does it get better? I think the second season is better, which is exciting. But I mean, you won't entirely understand if you don't watch okay. the first season. But um, also, we've all got busy lives. Is there a significant narrative arc then or is it... No, not really. I mean, the point of the show really is that it is like a really excruciating look at a relationship. And it's told very slowly. Mm-hmm. Each episode is almost a day. In rather than like many months taking place over the first episode. So the first season, I think, is like three weeks mm-hmm. in the relationship. Right. So all you need to know if you went straight into the second season is they're still going out. Yeah, okay. Kind of. And, um, and <laughs> uh, you're the kooky best friend. I am the Australian roommate, yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, I'm the heart and soul of the show. Yeah. <laughs> well, you are one of the three leads, are you not? Yes. Yeah. It's true. Good one. Yeah, it's fun. Um, I have the nicest job on the show, for sure. Right. Yeah. Um, and so Judd Apatow, he's famously a massive comedy nerd. and Loves uh, comedy so much. A nice fellow. Very nice fellow. He's very nice. He loves jokes. And he loves to make jokes. And did you ever boss. hear his um, <laughs> interviews that he did when he was young? Oh, yeah. They're so funny. 
Yeah, because he was like a proto-podcaster. Yeah. He, as a, he as a teenager. Not, very cute. And also, didn't he call Gary Shandling? Isn't that how he yes. met Gary? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Amazing. Yeah, but He was that sort of focused. And... I know. If I were Fred, I would have been scared of that person if I were at yeah. school with them. I wasn't that kind of ambitious, precocious teen. I don't think so, no. What did you think about then when you thought about your future? Oh, I think I I knew I wanted to do comedy because I was really sort of obsessed with Saturday Night Live because my mum's cousin had worked on it in the 80s. I mean, it's so nerdy, but I would like read all of the books about Saturday Night Live. Oh, really? Yeah. But I think it did sort of lodge itself in my brain. What's the best book to read? Well, I remember reading The White Wired, the one about John Belushi. Oh, yeah. I thought I was really cool for reading that when I was little. <laughs> there was a writer on there. Do you know Al, Al Franken? Mm-hmm. Who's now a... Um, senator? Senator, right. Mm-hmm. A Democrat. But his writing partner, who's no longer with us, I'm sorry to say, he wrote a, quite a funny account of some pretty hedonistic years there. Right. And he was a real... I mean, he was just hoovering up drugs. You know, people sort of more or less tried to do interventions with him because they were saying, you're going to go the same way that John Belushi went. And, yeah. And so, you know, he, he was there when all these people popped off. And he tells some funny stories about hanging out with Chevy Chase. And first of all, you're thinking, wow, I mean, he's got to be quite nuts to be mates with Chevy Chase anyway. I mean, I don't know Chevy Chase. but I, I... don't either, but Gillian worked with him. Oh, yeah. Community. Yeah. So Gillian is, is Gillian your co- Jacobs, co-star. Yeah. yeah. She is my co-star. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, does she have some entertaining... Because he's quite a notorious... Um... I think he's quite, quite a character, but I would also yeah. feel like I was speaking out of turn. Of if course. I, if I told you anything about that. It was worth a try. But I also couldn't remember anything, so I'd sort of be making it up. Have you heard those... <laughs> you've heard those um, answering machine messages that you left for Dan Harmon, though, have you? Oh, yeah. Dan I listened Harmon, to, who... I think when I got the part, I was, like, Googling her like crazy yeah. and listening to all the stuff and then pretending I didn't know it when I actually met her. Right. Which is a thing that I often do. For listeners not familiar with the show Community, which Chevy Chase was in, with uh, Gillian, do you say? Gillian, yeah. Um, Dan Harmon was the writer, and uh, Chevy Chase, I think, I can't remember exactly what he'd done to... Well, he just wound everyone up, I think. And at the, mm. at the rap party, Dan Harmon just sort of... Uh, was making a few jokes at Chevy Chase's expense and encouraged everyone just to say, fuck you, or something like oh, this. Oh, no. I'm getting the story all wrong, but there's a very funny answering machine message you can hear on YouTube. Yeah, he. what does he call him? He says some really mean stuff, right? Maybe I can look Find it up. Find it. What's your uh, Wi-Fi? Oh, no. It's really complicated. <laughs> Listeners, don't tell anyone the, the Oh, yeah, don't code. use my Wi-Fi. Because it's not cool just to piggyback on Claudia's Wi-Fi. It's really not okay. Okay, you ready? Yeah. All caps. All caps. DG one six seven zero yeah AB AB one eight eight seven two one eight eight seven two join did it work searching joined very quickly yes. locked in super fast very proud of oh that. that is satisfying um, Chevy Chase Tash is texting me. Tash Dimitriou. Yeah. Oh, good one. She says, give my love to Adam. So it sounds like she's in love with you. Wow. That's exciting. That's very nice. What a complicated situation. (laughs) That is awkward to have that revealed on a podcast. (laughs) Here we go. Look, Chevy Chase's voicemail for Dan Harmon. Hmm. Um, Let's play it. 
Oh, it's running through my... Oh, Christ. <laughs> Hang on. System preferences. This is good stuff, isn't it? This is a very good podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Writing's getting worse and worse. So that is a mean thing to say to a writer. That's not nice. <laughs> That's cruel. Has but anyone it, ever left a furious voicemail for you? I've certainly been told off. And then I got annoyed because I don't like being told off. No one does. Some people oh, can deal like with it, Oh, I guess like submissive though. people do. Yeah. <laughs> Sexually submissive people That's probably right. love it. Deviants like it. Mm-hmm. Um, they are... Uh, they told me off, and I just immediately got incandescent with rage. Right. And rang them right back and basically yelled down. You're the, the one who phone. yelled. Yeah, I was like, don't tell me off. If, you know, if there was a misunderstanding, it wasn't my fault. Oh. You know, don't ever leave a weird message for me again. <laughs> don't ever leave a weird message for me again. It was horrible, though. I didn't like it. It's very strange because I don't get angry very often. But when you, like, actually get really furious with someone and yell at them, it's a really weird feeling. Mm. Don't you find? Oh, it's so awful. Rare. It is a favorite thing of mine to talk about. And, in fact, I was talking to Bill Burr about oh, this. Oh, yes. You know, because he's got a lot of rage. Yeah, he's that's part of his persona. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Angry, angry. And did you see that set he did where it was like the, with the whole audience? Oh, with, in Philadelphia. Yeah, that's incredible. Amazing. Yeah. Tell, tell the listeners about it. For well, it, the audience, I can't remember why the audience hates him. Is it because he makes fun of Philadelphia? I can't remember why they turn on him, but they absolutely hate him. It was apparently the audience had just been horrible to every single comic who'd so been funny. on. Yeah. And so when Bill Burr came out, he was furious. And so he counted down minute by it's minute so funny. how long he was going to be up there. And in between counting down saying, OK, we got 11 minutes left. <laughs> he just howled abuse at this it's pretty incredible. large crowd. But he kind of wins them over oh, by yeah, the end. Yeah. By the end, they're sort of laughing. There's He's still a few people. He's drawing his energy from their contempt. Mm. But he hates them too. But he it's clearly really does funny. feel total contempt. But I think um, I was listening to Martha Plimpton. Oh, yes. Talking. Parenthood. Right. Yeah. And she was saying that she gets terrible nerves when she goes on stage. Uh Uh-huh. And someone told her a useful thing to uh, alleviate those nerves was to cultivate total contempt for the audience. Oh. To tell yourself that they were worthless and beneath your level of care. Interesting. (laughs) I guess it's the same mentality as uh, picturing people in their underwear. Right. Do you get nervous before your live shows? Yeah, always. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I generally try and ingratiate myself. And I think there's nothing <laughs> there's nothing that an audience or, in fact, people in everyday situations like less than someone who wants to be liked. Yeah, it they is, do hate it's that. Re- it's repellent. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It's very repulsive. Because it's so needy. and like, Yeah, I find it gross when people do it to me. And I have done it myself and been disgusted. Yeah. But you, sometimes you can't help it. No, you can't. Because it's when you get nervous... It's a natural thing. If you're, like, brought up to be polite, mm-hmm. you think, all right, well, if the chips are down, be really polite. And, yes. And really deferential and really ingratiating. Yeah. But actually, uh, especially in, in performance and comedy especially, it's counterintuitive. You, you should 
you should actually go the other way. Oh, well, me and my friend, we make jokes about, you know, because sometimes stand-up comedians aren't funny, but they'll do I've very heard. well because they're like, they're not funny but loud. Right. Exactly. And we were doing a festival in San Francisco and um, it was like a bad venue and all of this. And then we were talking, we were like making jokes about it. And then we were saying, oh, well, let's just be not funny but loud. And I went out and it worked so well. I just yelled my set. <laughs> People find it, it worked so much better. You did have quite a funny set, though. Actually. Very funny set, full of funny jokes, but it is um, audiences like loudness. Yeah, mm-hmm. they do. They they it want works. to be, on some level, they want to be controlled and yes. told what to feel. Yeah. And what they don't want is for that person's fragile psyche to be within their control. You know what I mean? People hate to feel nervous for you. Exactly. Yeah. So if you're That's nervous, why my wife doesn't come to my shows. Yeah. I have a friend who used to come to all my shows and she has the most expressive face in the world. And she had to stop coming to see any of her friend's shows because she would like have her head and her hands in the front row. I'd just be so scared for us the whole time. <laughs> it was really funny. Right. Let's go again. What don't you fucking understand? Kick your fucking ass! Let's go again! What the fuck is it with you? I want you off the fucking set, you prick! No! You're a nice guy! What the fuck are you doing? No! Don't shut me up! No! No! Ah, da-da-da-da like this! No! No! Don't shut me up! Ah, da-da-da-da like this! Fuck's sake, man, you're amateur! Seriously, man, you and me, we're fucking done professionally. Has anyone got angry with you recently? When was the last time you were told off? I don't think I have been told off recently. I told off a cafe recently. Oh, yeah. I went to Australia to visit my family. My sister had got bought a chicken sandwich Hmm. and she'd been eating it. She was halfway through and she looked in it and the chicken was raw. Oh. It was like a chicken breast that was like seared on the outside. It was raw on the inside. All pink. So I rang them and she took a photo of it. And I did. I told them off. Did you raise your voice? No, but I... I did um, embellish the situation. Mm-hmm. I said she died. No, I didn't. <laughs> I said I just said that she was sick. She wasn't. Do you know Neil Hamburger? Yeah, not personally, but I've seen his shows and they're very funny. They are funny, and he, people get uh, so angry at him. Oh man, he enjoys uh, on Twitter just retweeting stories about people getting food poisoning at Taco, Taco Bell. Bell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really funny. <laughs> Because what does he do, like, for, for people who don't know him? He does, like, he sort of looks like a 1960s nightclub comedian. Yeah, like a boozy lounge. Boozy lizard. lounge comedian with, like, an undone tuxedo kind of thing. But then he's, like, really drunk. Like, he's a mess. But then he does incredibly offensive jokes. There was one about, like, I, obviously I can't remember it, but there was something about John Travolta's recently deceased son eating a bowl of Michael Jackson's semen in heaven. Whoa. <laughs> Which was really funny. And he like built up to it over like 10 minutes and people were screaming at him. People were so angry. But then half the audience is really enjoying it. Yeah. Which is the point. And I think people being angry is the point as well. Yeah. Do you um, gravitate towards that sort of humor? Do you like it when people go as far as they possibly can? And, And are you always happy to indulge that or do you ever think "Mm, no 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 that's Mm, too much well i don't know i do think like i don't entirely agree with the like everything is fair game when it's comedy because like if it's not funny it's 
stupid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to hear. Um, and I don't enjoy... Uh, no, I get very uncomfortable people, like, say, make racist jokes or anything like that. So, no. But then I do think the joke about John Travolta's son was really funny. But it, I don't feel like it's a really a joke about John Travolta's son. No, it was sort of gathering together just horrific <laughs> things and yeah. mixing them all up in a cake bowl. <laughs> yeah, so them. I did really enjoy that. So I don't have a hard and fast rule. Right. And are you still doing stand-up out here then? Not really. Just if a friend asks me to, I will do it. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to do a show next month. Don't know what I'll say. I do. I just do it sometimes. I did some in San Francisco. But um, I don't care about stand-up. Oh, dear, oh, dear. I don't care about it. So some, sometimes I find doing shows really fun, and I really liked making shows for Edinburgh and stuff like that. Mm. But in America, it's more like doing a 10-minute set. Do some Trump stuff. I'm going to do a lot of Trump stuff. I love it. I did do I, I did do a Trump joke last time I did stand-up. Did you? Up. It did go over well. What was <laughs> the shocked. joke? I bet it went well, over it better than my really one. Well, really a joke. I was just saying, I was like, <laughs> I've just got back. In Australia, our prime minister, he doesn't believe climate change is real. Uh-huh. He murdered his girlfriend's cat in college. Is this is true? true. Yeah. Right. And then he wrote her a letter in the voice of the cat. Also true. Also true. It's online. You can find it. Like, it's a really creepy letter. But just saying that, like, he seems like a very refined gentleman compared to Trump. Was it? I mean, it's more in the delivery, which is not what I... But, man, they were laughing yeah. and laughing. That's good. My one didn't go What was it? Where so did you well. do a, sh- a show? Well, it was um, a band that I love called Spoon. I'm wearing, uh, I'm wearing the Spoon t-shirt. Yeah, you do love them. That's a coincidence, mm-hmm. though. Their new album's just come out. It's called Hot Thoughts. Is it's it one good? of their best. Are they the same as Elbow? No. They're I a different th- band. <laughs> They're literally totally different. <laughs> their music really different? Yes. Okay. What? I just think those words to me are similar. So I Spoon think and Elbow. Yeah, just like gentle words. Nouns. One word, nouns. Yeah. Lots of O's in them. Mm-hmm. So I think they're the same. <laughs> <laughs> no, How would you describe Spoon? Oh, um, art rock. Uh-huh. How would you describe Elbow? Art, art pop. Um, elbow is more sort of anthemic, um, oh. uh, emotional. Do you like Elbow? I do like Elbow, okay. yeah. But I, I would take Spoon over Elbow just because it's absolutely my sort of thing. Okay. This is a good conversation uh, considering you don't really... <laughs> no, either of No Spoon at all. Spoon but, over Elbow. Yeah. Spoon's good music for, like, working, murdering, <laughs> figuring things out. Okay. No, oh. I'm, I'm joking. I, I find Spoon very emotional. Anyway, um... <laughs> They were in town in London. They were playing a show at a small... Do you live in London? I think you live in the country. Yeah, no, I do live in the country. Uh-huh. But um, I know their lead singer a little bit. Spoons. Spoons. Jimmy Spoons. <laughs> and Jimmy Spoon emailed and said, we're playing a show in London. You should come along. And I said, uh, yeah, sure. I- I'd love to. Let me know if you need any, uh, you know, if-, if you need a stupid comedian to warm up. Oh, and he no. emailed back and he said... No, no. He said, yeah, that would be great. No. We haven't got anyone. No, no, no. And so I thought, oh, no, what an idiot. And what's more, I've been on a bill with you. I have to have my laptop yeah, with me. Yeah, you're a tech-heavy tech comedian. Tech <laughs> yeah. yeah. My name is Dr. Buckles. I'm reliant <laughs> on technology for chuckles. <laughs> and if I haven't got the technology, it's like a barren wasteland. 
And so 100 Club, there's no um, oh, projector no. and screen. In it. But I, I thought, I'm committed now, and they're my favorite band, so I'm definitely going to have to just do it. Yeah, you can't not go. Yeah. Um, so I went Ugh, along and one nightmare. And, and I've got I've got no jokes, right? I've got no set. Yeah. So I just had to write a whole new. Mm. They wanted me to do like twenty five minutes. That's so much. It's so much. So what did you do? So I did a thing about Trump. Oh my god! And it was just after a load of awards mm-hmm. had been on, right? It was awards season. Golden Globes. Oscars, Golden Oscars, Globes, BAFTAs, yeah. all the awards. And every single show that I'd watched, there would be at least two or three people who would go up and say, listen, I just want to say it's a really, you know, it's a dark time right now. Do you now. know what the funniest one was? Tom Hiddleston. I think he won a Golden Globe uh, for the night manager. Oh, yeah. But he gave like a very earnest speech about how much the night manager meant to the Doctors Without Borders working... Medicine Sans Frontières. Yeah, and it wasn't relevant. No <laughs> one was listening, but he gave it. And I think he's probably, because he's a very good actor mm-hmm. and probably quite a charismatic person, he's probably just like used to, if he gets quite serious about an issue, people really Listen. listening. Mm. But no one was listening because it's one of those award shows where there's you can eat and drink. Right. And also, I mean, it, it just was the kind of thing where if anyone was going to bring up a, a political issue, it was going to be Trump. And it wasn't Trump. It was like complicated. And he was like, the doctors really love the night manager. And then just talking about doctors about borders and everyone's confused. No yeah. one cares. It was really funny. Stay on message. Yeah. It's a shame because I, I, I've done um, gigs for Médecins Sans Frontières before and they are <laughs> amazing. They do extraordinary things. So They're cool. I, and I foster dogs from Dogs Without Borders. Dude, that's not the same. <laughs> they 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 kill a lot of cats. <laughs> they do because they're very pro dog. Yeah, they're so they're, they're like um, fundamentalist dog mm-hmm. lovers. So they blow up places where cats live. It's true. They're it's really sad. It is. That's not true. Anyway, listen. I get on stage and I've thought through all this stuff. How many a people bit too are much. in the venue? I mean, it wasn't mass. So it's a small club. Have you ever been to the Hundred Club? No. Birthplace of punk. Don't um, care. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> that is punk. So I guess, I don't know, 200? That is quite small. Stuffed into a, a small area. But, uh, and they were all very cordial for a while. It was all going well. Then I start talking about America. And I, in my mind, I was thinking <laughs> that they'll definitely get what I'm on about. Because surely they will have seen at least He's one award l- ceremony. They will have seen all these right. actors going up and going, listen, we all really need to pull together. And it's so important for people in our industry. We give hope. We cultivate dreams. We're the and, dreamers. And this is a powerful way of fighting back against blah, blah, blah. Which is all true, of yes. course. And uh, laudable sentiments. Uh, um, <laughs> that's, that's, a good, that's a good noise. <laughs> sure. Sure, sure. Uh, <laughs> and um sorry i was going for a motorbike ride i'm back um <laughs> so i say anyway uh i just think it's really important at this time you know it's a weird time uh, a lot of strange stuff going on in america i think it's very important that we all pull together and just give donald trump a chance because I think he's got a lot of good ideas, a lot of fun ideas. They didn't know you were joking. And um, there's total silence. Uh-oh. And then someone at the back said, 
Like what? Oh no. And so then I had to, you know, there's calculations going on in my, <laughs> in my monkey brain. Do I just carry on and ignore it? Or do yeah, I... Yeah, do you take the Bill Burr approach? Yeah, of course mm-hmm. that would have been. But you see, I'm not sufficiently seasoned as a mm-hmm. straight-ahead stand-up. So I backpedaled and I sort of said, well... Oh, I'm just joking. Don't uh, worry. I was joking. Was... Please like me. Oh, I like, like me. Mm-hmm. Why are you hurting me? Don't hurt me, please. I like you. I just want to get on with you. Can I get you a drink? That sounds like such a good show. It was not bad. No, it wasn't exactly like that. But I came off stage and my friend Louis Theroux was there. And he said... Wow, that was really brave. Oh, that's not what you want to hear. Yeah, that is funny when people see you and they're like, "Oh my gosh, that looks so scary." Mm. How do you do it? It's not a compliment. I mean, he did say he said that was good, man. That was good. He said, "Wow, the Trump joke didn't land, though, did it?" I was like, "No, it did not." No. But uh, he said, "That's the thing. It's it's too hot." You know, a lot of people do agree with Trump. Yeah, that's and in, in, in your little thing. little uh, liberal elite bubble zone yeah you kind of think everyone dislikes trump no they don't there's a yeah, lot of people, people that do like that him. think he's uh, i like him a breath of fresh air yeah i like him too i, I like think we you. should give him a chance <laughs> he's do. got a lot of good ideas <laughs> to give him a chance he's nice <laughs> a sweetie bike this is sweet sweetie and i really like him relaxing with a group of people sitting around the cool and jazzy sofa Everybody's eating cake and pies and crisps and sipping fizzy pop from cups. Relaxing with a group of people, sitting round a cool and jazzy sofa. Everybody here is eating cake and pies and crisps and sipping fizzy pop from cups. I'm gonna try another cake. Mm. Claudia has laid out some beautiful cakes and. Like, oh, like a yummy, chewy chocolate chip. Oh, I'm going to have some of that. Did you get these from your hipster cake shop? I was going to say what they're called, but then I feel like I'll be locating my house too. Much. Yeah, yeah, don't. No one's going to kill. I don't think anyone will kill me. But this will be like a haunting You never know. I mean, you've said, you said some pretty controversial stuff. <laughs> I have said some really dead stuff. Yeah. I met Johnny Rotten when I was 12. Is that true? You saying that thing about punk made me think of that. Yeah. How come? Because he came to buy some art from my dad. Your dad was in Mental as... Or is in Mental as Anything? He's was no it? longer in Mental as Anything. He left in 1992, I think. Right. Yeah. Because <laughs> obviously um, in the UK they had a big hit with Live It Up, right? Mm-hmm. Which was... Was that their biggest hit? No, it was their biggest hit because it was in Crocodile Dundee. It was in Crocodile Dundee. Hey there you mm-hmm. with the sad face. Come up to my place mm-hmm. and live it up. Yeah. You beside the okay. dance floor, what do you cry for? Let's, Let's live, live it, it up. up. That's it. <coughs> Sorry. <laughs> that singing was so beautiful. It was pretty good, wasn't it? It made me cough. Yeah. They were big stars. And uh, the big stars mm-hmm. in Australia, right? Yeah, they had like the most top 40 hits for any band mm. or something like that. I don't know. They were, they were big. They were famous. And they were made they... Da- dads and artists as well. That's right. Mm-hmm. Were they pre-men at work even? They were concurrent. That's wild. Yeah. So you are rock royalty. Mm-hmm. My dad's a national treasure. And did your was your <laughs> dad? Um, he wasn't like an insane rocker man. He he didn't love heroin and Jack Daniels. Well, I just found out recently he did love heroin. <laughs> <laughs> he still does. Well, I don't know. He only tried it a couple of times. Are you being serious now? 
Yeah. Good one. But you didn't, it was long before I was in the picture. Right. He, he didn't give me any heroin. Did you he find just, out? He had, a, he had a heroin twice in art school. Mm-hmm. Heroin. I think someone died in his backyard from heroin. Oh, get it together. But I don't really know because there was a book written about him and I didn't read it. Right. How did you find out then? Well, just like conversations. With him? No, with my mum. Oh, I mean, this might mom. be a big secret, but I think it's in the book, the heroin if. stuff that I just avoided knowing. Next time I talk to him, I'll ask him about it. I would. About that would be high on my list of things I would want to ask my dad about. What heroin is like? Yeah, what's it like? How did you do it? Did you snort it? Did you I think he lick it? it? Did you inject it right? I think he injected it, and I think it was when he was in art school and he was living with artists. So would you, do you want some heroin? Oh, I do heroin all the time. Do you? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, some people do, you know. No, I've never done heroin. Have you not? I'd be too scared. If you were to do it, how would you have it? Would you inject what it or options? smoke? Inject, smoke. I think those are the two big ones. What's or, the others? Uh, the other one, I don't know, snort, I'm, I'm guessing now. Um, Ooh, I get scared about the idea of like, in snorting tea, you seems could, like... Can you crumble just, it into tea? Maybe. I think. What's the format? It's like a powder? I think it's a powder. And then you cook it. Yes. I wouldn't like to inject it. No, I wouldn't either. That seems too scary. I'd, I'd just be too scared. But I guess I'd smoke it. Right. That seems like the most gentle way to do it. Yeah. Right? But whatever happens. And even smoking's if, so cool. That's the thing. You do look very good if you smoke. And heroin is the coolest thing you can do. If there's one thing cooler than smoking, it's heroin. <laughs> it's smoking heroin. <laughs> and... um. The problem is, though, that even if it's going well, like even if you don't get a bubble in your needle yes. syringe and instantly die because of that, or get AIDS That's why or people whatever. flick the syringe, right, 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 right. Getting the bubbles out. Don't want get a, yeah. yeah, you don't want bubbles. But um, Have you done heroin? No. Okay. No. But, you know, never say never. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but then even if it goes well, everyone throws up. Everyone is... Really? I think so. Everyone is deeply... I mean, it just sounds bad. That sounds pretty rough. I did take Oxycontin. Yeah, Oxycontin. By accident. Why? What did you think it was? I thought it was like a cold and flu tablet. At the beginning of last year, I guess like January or February, I was in New York writing for Amy Schumer. Right. For her TV show. Which I want to ask you about. Oh, I'll tell you all the secrets, but we were, and I was in the writer's room and I was coming down with a cold, like rapidly. And people were like, you all right? And I was like, oh, I think I'm getting sick. And then um, Kurt Metzger, who's a stand-up who was also on the staff, he was like, oh, do you want a, like a pill? And I was like, yeah, because I thought it was like a cold and flu tablet. Yeah. And then he gave me a blue pill, like the Matrix. I don't know what happens in the Matrix. But, um, and I took it and then I felt incredible like really quickly i felt absolutely what is oxycontin i think it's a really strong painkiller stronger than like codeine uh-huh. and i do think it's it's definitely in the same world as heroin but it's like a prescription strength very intense painkiller controlled substance high risk of addiction and dependence hmm. it's a narcotic and it can cause respiratory distress and mm-hmm. death yeah it sounds really good. So I was, um, Kurt's like probably like six foot four and a big guy. What's he doing with OxyContin? Did I he... think he actually needs it as like a painkiller. Hmm. But um, I am five foot two and I'm quite small. Yeah. 
and I also didn't need OxyContin. Yeah. <laughs> so I instantly felt like I was like, I'd never felt cozier, but also I felt like I was gently floating and I felt fantastic, but I was also alarmed by how good I felt because I didn't understand. I was like, Kurt, what was that? And he was like, that was the good stuff. Oh. And I was like, oh no. <laughs> and then there was like a, a big lunch. We went for a big lunch with the rice and I couldn't stop talking. Like I was really chatty, but I felt starting to feel like pretty worried because I felt so strange, but yeah. really good. But I knew it was not good to feel this way. I couldn't stop talking. I also couldn't eat anything. I kept like bringing food to my mouth and not eating it. And then I was going to Why? Because you were more interested in talking or because your throat wouldn't work? I could tell that I would probably throw up if I ate food. Wow. Like I felt really weird, but good, but weird. And then I thought, I can't get the subway home because I think I might fall on the tracks. And so I got a cab and then I was like nodding off in the cab. So it's like an opiate. It's definitely an opiate. And then when I got home, I threw up and then I threw up for um, two days. And there was a blizzard. So it was like a really weird couple of days where like I was pretty much passed out or throwing up and I hadn't eaten any food. So by the end I was throwing up like a pink goo. Oh, yeah, which really was your um, intestinal inside. tract. <laughs> yeah, it was really rough. <laughs> yeah, so I don't want to do heroin. Wow, it sounds like you've done it already. You I don't know, need to. right? It was pretty and wild. How was your brain working, though? Were you able? Were you any use in the writer's room? Well, luckily, because of the blizzard, work was cancelled. Ah. So I didn't miss any work. Everyone just took pills. Everyone just took pills. <laughs> <laughs> um, Amy Schumer. Yes. So tell me about that. Um, how did that? That was post train wreck, was it? Yes, yeah, so it was post train wreck, and I'd already filmed the first season of Love and okay. had it come out. And I ran into her at a party, and she said, "Oh, because we are friends, but she lives a different life because she's um, a huge star. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we very occasionally will like we text, but like we ran into each other at this party. We hadn't seen each other for a while." And she was like, next weekend, you should come away with... Well, I'm going to get a place in Laguna. Mm-hmm. And you should come. And so I did. Where's Laguna? It's like north of Los Angeles. It like sounds a, beautiful. It's gorgeous It over sounds there. so blue. It's so blue. Oh. <laughs> and uh, she rented a really fancy beach house. And it was like a castle on the sea. And then it was me and Bridget Everett and Kyle Dundagan. Was Adam it, Buxton there? No, he wasn't there. He was not invited. He wasn't invited. He was not invited. Yeah. But it was a very fun couple of days. Chilling out. <laughs> and then... Amy was like asking what I was doing and I was like, oh, I'm writing something. She like left the room and she came back. She was like, do you want to write for my show? I was like, yeah. She was like, okay, you have to be in New York in three weeks. I was like, cool. So that's how I got the job. Good weekend. Great weekend. Wow. Swam in the sea. Took OxyContin. No, I didn't take OxyContin that weekend. Did you not? Nope. Well, it's good to have a weekend off every Yes, (laughs) it's true. (laughs) And then I got to go to New York for four months. Whoa. And I ate spaghetti every night. Mate. How does that work then? Do they help you? They give you the spaghetti. Free spaghetti. Yeah, they pay you in spaghetti. That's brilliant. Yeah. And... Do they help you find an apartment and things like that? Uh, no, they give you a little bit of money towards your apartment. And then luckily, uh, a friend of a friend who was an actor had like a place that he was looking to sublet. So yeah. I sublet his apartment in the East Village. Mm. And um, See, was I don't care about the creativity. Just the admin. The practical. No, completely. I had no idea how any of it would work. Because right. before I got the job, 
Kyle, who was there, was like looking for his place and it seemed like impossible to find somewhere. So I was really lucky. And so are you just leaving a trail of destroyed relationships there? Or do do you constantly keep yourself single for this exact reason? (laughs) Um, I don't know. (laughs) Don't worry, we don't have to talk about it. I guess, I guess I've... uh, No, I don't think I've ever destroyed a relationship for my work. Mm. But my work has meant that I've been in different countries. So I have kissed men of different oh um <laughs> that's out of control i've kissed america i have kissed an american foreign men and i've kissed an english i've kissed an, <laughs> kissed an english <laughs> i guess yeah <laughs> yeah i've done some kissing good one yeah um amy schumer that's a good show how long yeah. is it so are, are you still how many series of that have you They've done only there? i only did one season okay i did the fourth season, season. there's been four Not seasons series, you must never say series. series series i think is what they say for the entire show uh-huh there's this great series called Inside Amy Schumer, and I worked on season four. Oh. But there hasn't been another season since yeah. then. And um, you did Drunk History, right? I did. I did it again as well. It hasn't, did you? The second one hasn't come out yet. What were you doing? Were you acting in it or were you drinking I got it? drunk. Yeah. Both times? Yeah. Oh, really? To be honest, the first time I don't think I was very drunk. Right. I tried, but I think they were really worried because the person who'd done it the day before had like blacked out and vomited in the PA's car. <laughs> did you do it in this country? <laughs> yeah, I did it here in America. Ah, mm. and I wonder if they're a bit more health and safety about it over here than they would be in the UK, or do you think there's no difference? Well, I don't know what happens in the UK. Well, I did it in the UK, and I really assumed that you, they look after you. They, they they do look after you. Yeah, but I assumed that it would be possible to not get really drunk yes you know because i didn't want to it wasn't practical for me also i'm sort of old Uh and uh, a hangover for me is a Mm. a, a more serious it's horrible thing than it is for like a 25 year old Mm. but i got absolutely shit faced what did you drink well first of all we had two pints like before we they told me i had to meet them at the pub so i just Uh met this researcher uh-huh. It was really weird. That is weird. He's like, oh, uh, I was like, are we going to go and film the thing? He's like, oh, no, they don't need us for another hour and a half. I was like, okay, why did you tell me to come now? He's like, oh, we're just going to have a couple of drinks. It's like, right, okay. Well, I'm only going to have the couple, though. They're because, loosening you up. Yeah. Uh-huh. I said, I'll, I'll just have, maybe I won't even have two. You know, I'd, one pint is pretty much it for me, thanks. It's the afternoon. It's not even dark. Anyway, so we have we end up having like two and a half pints, which is more or less my limit. Uh huh. That's so much liquid. Yeah. So I'm sloshing around and I'm pretty hammered. <laughs> I'm who hosts it in the UK? Is it Jimmy? Yes, he does the voiceover. Right. Yeah. But who who do you sit with and tell the story to? Oh, you just do it to camera to oh the director. Oh my god, that's weird. Do you have a host in the US? Well, Derek Waters, who created it, he sits with you. Oh. I worry about his health because he drinks with you and he right. does it like twice a day when they're shooting oh. it. It's crazy. Yeah. How old is he? He um, He's 26, but he looks 75. <laughs> no, <laughs> I think he's, I don't know, late 30s. Maybe he's had a special operation to line his stomach somehow with, <laughs> with um, plastic. plastic. <laughs> but um, they'd hired a really posh house, you know. They did that for me as well. And it, so don't feel like you're better if you think that. Well, I think this place was <laughs> quite a bit nicer than the one you were in. And also it was off a fairly crappy, nondescript street in London. Suddenly you go behind this door and there's like, oh my God, look at this tucked away behind Wow. Where like, in London? There was a 
fountain, little beautiful wow. patio all overgrown. I mean, it could have been anywhere, you know. Beautiful, tastefully decorated rooms. They were big, Claudia, big, okay. giant rooms. Wow. <laughs> and detail, Where in London was uh, it? What Islington. neighborhood is Islington? That's but it, a fancy But, but it was a bit further north than Islington, so right. it, was, it was getting a little rough around the edges. Uh-huh. I used to live in Islington. Right. Mm. Well, yeah, no, it was further north. It was further north. So I used to live in Turnpike Lane as well. I don't even know where that is. It's um, where a woman, she uh, died in her flat and no one found her for two years. It's the most depressing documentary I've ever seen. Me and my friend were watching it and then we realized it was down the street from where we were living at that moment. And we're like, oh, we live in a really bad place. Well, you were the people that failed to find her. Yes, we were. But the TV was still on and she just like melted into the carpet. Oh, it's just a skeleton. That's awful. So sad. London. That's London for you. That's why I got out. Yes. It's, it only happens in London, that kind of thing. People, English people are very indifferent to yes. suffering. Yes. That's why I like them. Um, <laughs> so you were in the magic So I was house. in the magic castle. Uh-huh. I mean, seven sheets to the wind. Is that the expression? Yeah, I think so. Uh, a lot of sheets were in the wind. And then they start giving me tequila. Oh, no. That is reserved strictly for some New Year's Eve exactly. celebrations. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, not every single because one. Because it's but... the one alcohol that's like an upper. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's like, uh, well, that's that's the heroine of the booze world, isn't it? No, no, because it's not it's the opposite. mellowing you out. It's yeah. zipping. It's like Charlie, isn't it? Yeah, it's like the cocaine of the. <laughs> yeah, I think it is. It's the cocaine of the booze world, and so they ended up giving me like two or three shots. Oh. So I could barely speak. Yeah, that's bad. I was properly hammered. That's a very different approach to when I did it. How, yeah. how did it work with you then? I think here in America, it's like illegal to buy alcohol for someone for mm-hmm. show business purposes. So you have to buy the alcohol yourself and then they reimburse you later. It's like weirdly complicated. Okay. And then I always, the two times I've done it, I've drunk whiskey because I don't want to drink more than one alcohol because I feel like that will make me worse yeah but they also give you like a magic supplement like a salty shot of something that will make it so you don't get a hangover is it semen i think it might be semen i think it's Derek water's semen that's not necessary and um uh but it works you don't get a hangover right but i did get a lot drunker the second time wow i didn't get the salty shot yeah i mean i got got some salt in my house right now good one let's have some of that it's not nice is it not um Oh, man, it was brutal. And then they, because they kept on, because I arrived on my bike. Right? I've got a foldy bike, Brompton. Yes, you love to cycle. I do love to cycle. Oh, I forgot that I've got a flat tire. Oh, it's bad. Anyway, I'll sort it out. If I walked from here to where I'm staying in Los Angeles, it would take about 90 minutes. What neighborhood are you staying in? Um, West Hollywood. You can get a Lyft or an Uber. That's a good idea. That's what you'll do. Not doing. an Uber. I'd never get an Uber. No. Ugh, yuck. Um, but yeah, oh man, and they and because they kept on saying for the drunk history thing, like where are you going back to? And I was like, oh, don't worry, I'm going to cycle back. And they're like, mm, can't I, do we're, that. We're going to put you in a taxi, I think. And so, of course, <laughs> it was necessary to do it. I think I went to sleep slash passed out in the taxi, which was only yeah. about ten minutes from where I was staying. Whoa. Oh, it was. Did you feel wretched the next day? I felt. I have felt worse. Yeah. But I felt pretty beaten up, yeah, definitely. Yeah. 
I think because there's something about it just being a very short, intense blast. Exactly. Of poison to of your body. Of poison. You know, I, th- I, I sometimes feel that the booze isn't the only thing that makes you feel awful when you have a hangover. A lot of the time it's some of the crappy food you've eaten. Yeah, you eat some salty, bad food. Often. Yeah. And then in the olden days when I would smoke... Ugh, I know. That really made it worse Yeah, as well. when I was younger and I would smoke, if that really makes hangovers a million times mm, worse. Terrible. But smoking is so cool. It makes you look good. That's the thing. It's, it's very, very cool. It's very stylish. No one smokes here at all. In LA? Mm-hmm. I mean, they do though, don't they? They do, actually. I saw someone smoking at a party yesterday. Yeah. They take it back. They love smoking. Smoking continues to be cool. Yeah. Have you got a favorite joke? No. <laughs> Let's end on that note. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wait, this is an advert for Squarespace. Every time I visit your website, I see success. Yes, success. The way that you look at the world makes the world want to say yes. It looks very professional. I love browsing your videos and pics, and I don't want to stop. And I'd like to access your members area and spend in your shop. These are the kinds of comments people will say about your website if you build it with Squarespace. Just visit squarespace.com slash Buxton for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, because you will want to launch, use the offer code Buxton to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. So put the smile of success on your face with Squarespace. Continue. So there you go, Claudia O'Doherty. Thanks very much indeed to her for a very enjoyable afternoon of chat rambling. She made me feel really welcome. So thanks so much to her. Thanks very much indeed to Seamus Murphy Mitchell for production support and to Matt Lamont for his editing whiz bottery. Thanks as well to Helen Green for providing the new artwork that now accompanies the podcast. Helen is one of the most talented illustrators around. She did an animated gif of Bowie that got passed around a while back. You may have seen it. It showed Zavid turning his head through 180 degrees and showing off various looks from his career as he did so. It was brilliant. And Helen Green, her illustrations and drawings of Bowie in particular, she also does great drawings of Lady Gaga and Amy Winehouse and folks like that. But they're brilliant. And she, her drawings of Bowie particularly capture the things I loved about the way Bowie looked better than anyone I can think of. She's amazing. I I recommend you check out her website. She's got posters and T-shirts and mugs and all that. Um, Just type in Helen Green Illustration and you'll find it. All right, that's enough for now, quartermasters. I reserve the right to change that uh, at any point. Until next week, take care. Enjoy the spring.
Be calm and cool-headed. Look after each other and yourselves. I love you. Bye! Do you hear the echo there? That was good. Oh, it's good to be back in the countryside. See ya.